We have been doing a series recently on the Lord's Prayer, and I'm just going to kind of finish up on that. Um, so today we're concluding that series, and we're looking at lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. And I think in the journey we've been in as a church family this year with various things that have happened and things we're going through, we are reminded that this is an eternal perspective that we need to live from. And we are reminded that our life on earth here is just part of our life and that we have an eternity with our wonderful saviour and that there is far more to come. But you'd say in that we want to live the best life we can while we're here, don't we? We want our lives to be fruitful. There is a scriptural principle that we reap what we sow. And we want to sow into the kingdom of God. We want to sow into his purposes and into his goodness and to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. We want to bear fruit so that when we do go to be with him in eternity, that we will hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. One of the ways we do that, one of the ways we sow into his eternal purposes is through our prayer. And you have heard a series, um, I don't know about you, but I found this series absolutely fantastic. We've had some really good, really helpful teaching about prayer and about how to pray your kingdom come and those kind of things and how to pray through the Lord's Prayer. But it's actually been wider than that. It's, it's been giving us, keep giving us that kingdom perspective and that eternal perspective. So today our focus, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And you may have heard a few weeks ago on the news, there was a little bit of controversy with Pope Francis talking about this scripture. And he was talking about saying that, that there's a bit of a trans, translation challenge. And they've said that um, for the Catholics, some of them, they're going to change the words, lead us not into temptation, um, to do not let us fall into temptation. Um, and, you know, you might wonder about things like that and you might think, oh, is that, is that dodgy? Is that, you know, taking scripture and changing it? Speaking to a TV station, this is what the Pope said. I am the one who falls, but it's not God who pushes me into temptation to see how I fall. No, a father does not do this. A good father helps us up immediately. And I found real joy in hearing the current Pope talking about a good heavenly father. You know, we can have certain perspectives about different streams of the Christian faith and we can sometimes perhaps see the things that would concern us. But to hear a Pope who has influence over the world talking about a good Heavenly Father is actually a fantastic thing. It's a message that's getting out there. The reason he's talking about that is the Catholic Church, interestingly, doing what we've been doing. They've been going through the Lord's Prayer verse by verse line by line, and thinking about how we pray. So that's quite interesting too, because I don't think we knew that, did we, Dave, before we started this, this series? Sorry? We're the trendsetters. <laughs> okay, so when you, when you look at that scripture, um, when you look into those words, lead us not into temptation, actually the word temptation has two different interpretations on it. There are two Hebrew words, um, I'm not going to try to say them this morning, um, but both of them carry a range of meanings that are translated either as temptation or testing. Um, so with temptation meaning an enticement to do evil, while testing indicates a process to expose the true heart of a person. And when we consider praying God deliver us from evil, perhaps we can understand some of this aspect in the sense that we want to resist temptation to sin, don't we? 
We all want to be those people that walk in obedience to God and resist temptation to sin. And we also want God's help in the trials and in the, and the times of testing that we want to stand firm and to stand fast. And I believe as we look around in scripture, we can see, you know, so, so, so you know, does God tempt us? Let's see. It's very clear. Actually, God does not tempt us. James chapter 1, 13 to 14. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil. Neither does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. And 1 Corinthians um, 10, 12 to 13. No temptation has overcome you except that that is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. That's really good news this morning. That's really good news. That when temptation comes, we can 100% guarantee God is not tempting us. God, our heavenly father, no evil comes from his heart. He does not tempt us. But not only that, he will not let us go beyond what we can endure. He loves us. He knows our capacity. Sometimes we think our capacity is less than he thinks it is, maybe. But he knows our capacity. And he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. He is a good father. And you can trust him even in the times of temptation even in the times when it feels that the enemy is coming against us. Um, and it's, it's really important to recognize that temptation itself isn't sin. And sometimes when we feel tempted, perhaps we can sometimes wrestle with that. Temptation is not sin. And, you know, it becomes sin when, the point when we play with it in our mind and we allow ourselves to let it run through our mind. Jesus said, didn't he, when he said about people being caught in adultery, he said that, you know, it's not only the act of adultery, but it's if you've done it in your mind, then it's just as much sin. So what plays in our mind is very, very important when it comes to temptation. We need to resist, and it's a battle in our mind. But the great news is God has given us everything we need so that we can resist temptation. Um, so we're going to move on to the next verses. And these ones are, are wonderful and beautiful because not only do we have a God that's merciful, that gives us strength, but we have a high priest. When we're in the battle, when we're wrestling with our own flesh and our own temptations, when we're struggling to overcome, we have a high priest who fully, fully understands. Hebrews 4, verse 15 to 16. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we might receive mercy and find grace and help in our time of need. How wonderful is that? We don't have a God who's far and distant, but we have a saviour who walked this earth who endured the opposition of man. And if you think temptation is strong, imagine when Jesus was on this earth, how much the full force of hell came against him because they knew if he lived his life as he should, that actually this was a terrifying thing to the camp of the enemy. And when it says he was tempted in every way, Richard may remember many years ago when Richard and I were doing a Bible college course, we actually had a lecture where somebody said, okay, if, we, if Jesus was tempted in every way, Let's list temptation. If you think about that, you might be quite shocked. You might be quite shocked. 
But scripture tells us Jesus was tempted in every way, yet was without sin. So when we are facing temptation, when we're facing those difficulties, we come with absolute confidence to Jesus. He is more than enough and he fully gets the pressure and he is more than enough to help us to resist. He is good. And we can see in Luke chapter 4, we see the story of Jesus being tempted in the desert. So we're going to read that. I've put all my scriptures on here today because it's a bit easier for me than having a Bible here. Um, But if you want to look in your Bibles, if you've got them, if you want to look at Luke chapter 4 at the beginning. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. I always find that quite funny, (laughs) that it says he was hungry after 40 days. (laughs) I would be more than hungry after 40 days. (laughs) The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship worship me, it will be all yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil then led him to Jerusalem and had him stand in the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you, lift you up against. They will lift you up in their hands. So you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, "It is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test." When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Okay, so note it says he left him to an opportune time. We, we see some of the elements that Jesus was tempted in the scripture, but we don't see everything. Um, you know, if, if, if the, the gospels contained every detail of Jesus' life, as John said about the miracles, there wouldn't be enough room to, to put it all down. But Jesus was tempted in every way like you and I were. But the thing that really interests me in all of this it's the same words that you hear again and again, not just the actual specific temptations. If you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God. You see, when the enemy comes against us with temptation and when the enemy comes against us, he is always going after your identity. He is always seeking to attack your identity as a son and daughter of God. Because if he undermines that, if we don't believe who we are, then we succumb to his ways and we succumb to who he is. And it's so, so important for you and me that we fully grasp who we are as children of God. You know, Jesus was the son of God, the son of God, and he had to stand firm on his identity. But even Jesus, if you are, if you are, if you are, He understands what it's like to question, you know, to have the enemy come and question his identity, you know, if you are the son of God. Um, But, you know, the really important thing here for us to know is that we are children of God. We are his sons and daughters. We are his beloved people. We are not sinners saved by grace, but we are new creations, Ephesians 2.8 says, by grace we are saved through faith. Yes, we are utterly saved by grace. But when we are saved, there is a transaction that goes on inside of us. We become a new person. We become someone new. 
So 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11 says, Do you not know that wrongdoers will enter the kingdom of God? Will not enter the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, adulterers or homosexuals, nor thieves, nor greedy drunkards, nor slanderers will enter the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. That is what you were. That is what we were. There was a day where we were those sinners where our identity was wrapped up in what we were caught up in, into our sinful nature. But the day you gave your heart to the Lord, the day you gave Jesus your yes, there was a transaction that happened and you became something new. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. You have a new identity. You have a new identity. And I want to tell you this morning, if you've been struggling with temptation, thinking, oh, it's just the way I am, it's just my nature, I want to remind you this morning, that's a lie from the enemy. It is not your nature. It may be your temptations. It may be temptations that you're vulnerable to. We all have different temptations that we are perhaps vulnerable to, maybe because of our background, maybe because of family experiences or things we've been exposed to. But you are not your temptations this morning. And I want to encourage you this morning, you are not the things the enemy is seeking to tell you. So I've got a few things here that I want to declare over us of who we are. And these are some truths. Actually, I'm going to say these out and I'm going to, it's not exactly word for word on there, so repeat my words. I'm going to say some truths now and I want you to repeat them because they're important, powerful truths this morning. I am who the Bible says I am. I am a child of God. I am his beloved. He has fully accepted, fully forgiven, and fully approved of me. Forgiven, approved. <laughs> that was a bit long, that one. Well done. <laughs> I am adopted. I am an heir of his kingdom. I carry the authority of a kingdom citizen. I am not a failure in his sight. Some of these might be becoming painful for some of you to say if there's lies you've been believing, but I want you to declare them and to stand on these truths this morning. So I'm going to say that one again. I am not a failure in his sight. He is my confidence. I am not a disappointment to God. I felt that one quite strongly when I was preaching this, so we're going to say that one again. I am not a disappointment to God. And one more time. I am not a disappointment to God. This might seem crazy to some of you, but declaring and speaking out these truths, there is power in hearing your own voice speak truth this morning. And if any of these lies have been coming against you, I believe that even as you speak these truths in Scripture this morning, that, that you will be released and that you will understand afresh your true identity. I am his treasured possession. He has and he will redeem my every mistake. I am raised with Christ and seated in the heavenly places. This is your true identity. 
<laughs> you were planning that, weren't you? <laughs> this is your true identity. You don't need to repeat that line anymore. But this is your true identity. This is who you are. This is why it's so important we read the Word of God. Because when temptations come, whether they're temptations to sin or temptations to believe the lies that the enemy has spoken against you, we need to know what God says about us. We need to have in our minds what God says about us, not what the enemy says about us. So again, I want to encourage you, if you are finding it hard to get into that place of reading the word of God and spending time, I want to encourage you this morning, set your heart to determine to make more time to read his word. Set your, your heart to make more time to spend time with him. Because as you read these truths, as you speak these truths over your own lives, you will stand strong. And as you stand on truth, the enemy has to flee. So moving on, how did Jesus overcome temptation? We see in that scripture, we see three very clear things. First of all, the battle was won in prayer. Jesus was in a place of prayer at the time of these temptations. He was having 40 days of prayer and fasting, and prayer was part of his strategy. And we are told to pray, leads not into temptation. We're told to pray about temptation. And yet it's so easy to forget, isn't it? So actually, you know, we can pray specifically, and again, I'll come on to this later at the end, but we can pray specifically about the temptations we face. God, I am tempted to eat that whole cake. Please help me not to. <laughs> Whatever your temptation is, okay? We can resist temptation by the grace of God. But yes, come to God in prayer. We come to the throne of grace with boldness and confidence, not with shame, not with guilt, but with boldness and confidence. And we say, God, I'm wrestling with this. I need your help. Give me grace and strength to resist this temptation. The word of God was his rep weapon. It is written. It is written. It is written. Again, I want to encourage you, people of God, if you are not reading your Bibles, if you are not spending time reading the Word of God, make it a priority. If you struggle with the processes of how and you want some encouragement and help, talk to Dave, talk to myself, talk to other people in the church, trusted and known people who can perhaps give you some pointers and some support. But make reading the word of God your priority because it is a weapon in your hands to come against the enemy. And thirdly, he just told the devil to get lost. He resisted the devil. <laughs> he said, get away from me, Satan. And it says in James 4, 7, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Jesus didn't do that just because he was the son of God. God has given you authority to say, devil, get away from me. You can use those words. And it's good to use them out loud sometimes when you need to. Devil, get away from me. You've got no place in my life. Resist the devil and he will, he will flee. He has no choice. Because God has given us everything we need. So that covers a bit about temptation. But what about this thing about testing? If this word also means testing. And we know we've actually had a prophetic word this morning about people going through trials and times of testing. And it can be a real challenge, can't it? That, that sometimes we go through really difficult times. Um, and where do we stand on that? What does scripture tell us? Okay, in Genesis 22, 1 to 2. Um, sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said, Abraham, here I am. He said, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain. I will show you. So we can see that scripture sometimes, 
it's like God puts a little test there, but there's some really, really good news coming. That test was unique to Abraham, but actually Abraham became the father of faith. Abraham's reward, the fruit of Abraham's life, is still being reaped now as every person gives their yes to Jesus. So that test was a very unique test, but actually there was great, great fruit from it. In Deuteronomy 8 verse 2 it says, Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. Um, so scripture shows us that sometimes we do go through times of testing and sometimes we are tested. But there's some really, really good news in the next scriptures because there's one reason, well there's a few reasons, but they're all good reasons that God tests us. Jeremiah 17, 9-10 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. So when we go through testing in God's books, it's so he can reward us. There's only one reason that God allows us to go through tests, and that is to reward us and to bring good things out, that actually he's always planning to reward you. You know, when you go through exams and tests, sometimes you can feel like, oh, it's a pressure, you know, it can, you know I want to pass, and I'm going to pass, and some of you guys are going through that right now. It's a horrible feeling, but the purpose of a test is to make you pass. The purpose of a test is to make you succeed. And actually, God is 100% behind your success. Any test or trial you go through is incredibly wonderful in the results because he will bring you forth as gold. Um, it says um, in James 1, verse 1 to 3, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of faith, your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Sometimes the tests and the trials that we're going through are doing something in our character and in our nature that are developing our character. And the whole purpose is God wants you to lack nothing. God wants you to be complete. God wants you to get to a point where there's no longer any I can'ts, I'm nots, I'm can't do this, I'm not good enough, I'm not strong enough. He wants to strengthen you to that point where there is your character is strong enough to endure and strong enough to stand. So it's all bringing about good. And in 1 Peter 1 verse 7 it says, for a while you may have to suffer all kinds of grief and trials. So that these have come so that, you're, that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus is revealed. Do you know, there's a time when we're going to get to eternity. I was talking to my sister this morning about this, about various things that we as a family have been going through and she's going through. So there's a time we're going to get to eternity. We're going to look Jesus in the eye and the one who sees everything, the one who knows every trial you have endured, the one who knows every tear you have cried, every pain that you have experienced, and he will look at you and he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. And he will be utterly delighted and he will reward you. You have rewards already waiting in heaven for you. Every trial that you go through, every act of faithfulness, every act of obedience, you are storing up treasure in heaven that we are going to be able to give back to God in worship to him. But he is preparing for that day. Do you know he's really excited about that day? 
He can't wait to see you face to face. He can't wait to look you in the eye, knowing everything you've been through and all the pain you've been through. And the minute you look him in the eye, everything that you've been through is going to fall away. It's going to seem like nothing. The deepest, most painful trials. And trials can be so painful, aren't they? We're not, what we're not saying in this, we're not underestimating people's trials and pains. We're not underestimating them. But the deepest pains and trials that you go through, there will be a day you see him face to face. And all shall be well. All shall be well. All shall be well. And you will be at peace. What I also say, what I'm not saying when I say we go through times of testing and trials is that God sends certain things. God does not send sickness. He cannot send what's not in his toolbox. But somehow in the midst of this strange thing where we're working through this life and we've got the enemy that's trying to rob, seal and destroy. And again, we've heard God's word this morning. We cannot be robbed. Somehow God is weaving this incredible thing that every temptation, every trial, every testing that you go through weaves this picture where God's strengthening you, where he's equipping you, where he's empowering you, where he's rewarding you, and you are bearing fruit beyond anything you know. Fruit beyond anything you know. You know, we, we don't get to see much of the fruit of, in, in this life, do we? And it was a beautiful thing, Helen Rose, to be at Victor's um, celebration, to see the fruit of Victor's life, to see the incredible amount of lives he's impacted. But actually, that's only a tiny glimpse of the road Victor's, Victor's walking in right now. That's only a teeny tiny bit of the picture. And you and I, you know, we can't see in this lifetime the rewards and the fullness of what God's um, doing in and through us. And we can't always see how that fruit is produced on earth. But when we see him face to face, we shall see and we shall be amazed. And he shall reward. And all things that the enemy has sent against us, every trial, every burden, every temptation, everything the enemy has sent against us, will just be weaved into this incredible story and weaved into a wonderful story and a beautiful picture where we give back full glory and honour back to him. So we go through these times and it's not easy. There is purpose to the testing. There is purpose to the trials. There is purpose to the difficulties. But as we seek to bring honor and bring glory to God and learn to depend on him, this is where we bring in and make use of the Lord's prayer. So when it comes to this, lead me not into temptation. I've put up here, if you go to the next slide, Natasha, bringing it back to something Dave did earlier on, the Lord's prayer and the being the scaffolding, the beginning of the prayer being dependence, the middle of the prayer being surrender, and the end of the prayer being position. Lead us not in temptation is a position of trust. It's a position of trust. And again, we've heard it by the Spirit of God this morning. God is calling us and saying, will you trust me? Will you trust me in the trial? Will you trust me in the times that are testing? Will you trust me in what you are enduring? Because as you trust him, as you hold fast to him, there will be great reward. And he wants to bless you and strengthen you. But in this time of prayer, where we say, lead us not into temptation, the way I pray this is, God, help me to resist temptation. Any particular temptation I'm facing, and I joke about it, but yes, yeah, sometimes I'm praying specifically, help me with my self-control and my eating. 
because we're supposed to be able to get victory in every area of our lives. So whatever area of temptation is, help me with that person I'm struggling with. Help me to love my neighbour whose music's blaring at three o'clock in the morning and I'm finding it really, you know, I want to go and lose my rag with them. Help me to bring your kingdom into that situation. So help me to resist temptation. Your word says resist the devil and he will flee. Give me grace today to do that. Come before the throne of grace, asking for help in the specific areas you're struggling with. Father, help me with the trials that I face. And again, specific trials many of us are going through right now. Help me with the trial I'm facing. Help me with the chemo. Help me with the battle I'm going through with my health. Your battles. Help me with this trial I'm facing. Help me to bear fruit for you. Help me to see your kingdom come in the midst of this trial. Let me come forth as gold. Because yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. Yours is the honor forever and ever. Amen.